The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So in lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. And we're live. It is Monday, January 10th, 2022, 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time. We are not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to have Josh Marshall on the show to talk about, I hope, a lot of things from hose casings to old TPM TV videos to um, Dick Cheney. Um, but this is, I'm, I'm very happy that you joined at the very last minute. Thanks for doing that. This yeah, will be, no I promise this will be better than hose constructing hose casings. All right. You're like a real suburban dad now with like out there. I mean, yeah, I guess kind of, this is, you know, the, you know, the thing where like you have a hose, but you have like a, a, a kind of a cart that you, you, you reel the hose in on is one of those. So I was, I oh, was, I know. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, I grew up in the suburbs. This is like oh, half the yeah. no, dad, like. Yeah, we like went through them. We like experimented with hose casings. Like there were yeah. many variations. There you um, go. Anyways, uh, Scott, why don't you get us started? I mean, you have been, I mean, you actually, I think you have a much longer history of Talking Points Memo than I do, actually, even though I worked there. But you were reading it before I was reading it. Yeah, I, 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 I was reading it when it was when he's uh, where Josh signed his name. Josh, uh, Joshua Micka Marshall. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I remember it was Howie Kurtz. That's how I knew about you because how, how, Howard Kurtz uh, is it's amazing. I think that like I anything good came from reading that. But I, I, I he used to cut up these. Um, uh, it was like playbook before yeah. um, before playbook. And then I, 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 I read um, these what were turned out to be blog posts. And this was like, at, this was before 9-11. And, um, and uh, it was before actually, it was during maybe Bush versus Gore um, is when did you did you start writing during Bush versus Gore? Yeah, I started uh, like about literally about a week after the election proper, like, you know, election day. Uh, and that's that was the uh, like, you know, I, I might, I probably would have done it otherwise, but that was sort of like the trigger, right? That was, that right. was the sort of the news crisis that, um, that led me to do it. And part of it was, you know, that I was, I was visiting my then girlfriend in New Haven. She was, uh, trying to re- reassemble the chronology of my life here. Uh, she was actually a, a, at Yale Law School. She was doing oh. Yale Law School. Um, and so I was, I was going there thinking this was after the election, right? So I'm going to take a break and we're going to spend some time together, but obviously the election wasn't over and that was sort of the, the, uh, the trigger to, And this uh, is post, this is like, you had your PhD at this point, right? Or were you like, I didn't, I technically, I did not have my PhD. I was like, kind of like, you know, kind of hanging ABD for, for, um, Basically, for uh, 
I don't know, um, ended, ended up being a good at least four years, basically, from uh, about 1998 to about 2002. And that was when, in, in, in 2002, um, you know, TPM was, was, was growing and it was, it was kind of clearly becoming a thing. And I think if you are, if you've ever been someone who is uh, in, in the process of, of doing a PhD, or maybe it's similar if you're writing a big book or something like that, you have a certain, you reach a certain point when you realize that time is about, the logic of time is about to turn against you. Um, and that if you do not finish it's, it's going to get harder and harder. It's never going to happen. Uh, so e even though I was, you know, trying to uh, start a journalism career, I, I, um, I, or trying to not start, I had started it. I, I wanted it to become successful. <laughs> um, th that, that I basically said, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to set things aside here. I need to get this done. Um, and as it happened, the fall of 2002 was turned it up turned out to be like a lot of news was going on to, <laughs> to put it mildly <laughs> in the fall of 2002 and into 2003 but I actually did I I, I got uh formally I, I got my um finished my PhD in the uh spring of 2003 but that was probably a good five years since I had really been you know like yeah, yeah. really a graduate engaged student, in it engaged in the scholarship yeah yeah wow. no, that makes sense so, so, so just, uh, just um, getting back to the, like this moment where I'm starting to read you, there are also other people who are doing things which are kind of similar. So um, like Mickey Kaus was doing like Kaus files and he wasn't insane then. Like right. he was, he Did was he like, like, oh Mickey no, Kaus. yeah. Mickey yep. Kaus, sorry. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yep. yeah. Um, and he was doing Kaus files at yep. Slate. Yep. Um, and but but like we didn't like like as a reader, I didn't know about this thing called blogs or like people who would become important voices. And then like I, I felt um, uh, that like for me at least, TPM was extremely important as with the with with the Bush years where I. I I personally, I'm not just speaking for myself, I felt gaslit all the time. Um, and like there was somebody who was like, would, who, who, who was reasonable um, and extremely well-informed and could write with passion about these things. And so it was really like, I would refresh the thing maybe 37 times a day. I mean, I would just really, <laughs> Um, care about. He knows and, you like funded like the first like. You know. <laughs> I was like, right, I was part of the first click fraud, um, um, but um, so it was extremely important. And so I, so I, I, this brings me to a question that came up yesterday um, uh, amongst us. Oh, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was Friday um, when we were closing out. Um, ben uh, Wittes uh, said, would you have any problem appearing on the show? He, he, we were talking about like January 6th and then like the divide now is, and how you know, the chamber not for the only people to show up in the in like the Republican side of yeah. the chamber. And, yeah. 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 And so the thing was like, Scott, would you have any problem going on the show, uh, like having Dick Cheney and show and and hosting the show with, with Dick Cheney? And I, I guess <laughs> I felt like I don't think I could do that. Um, uh, I, and so 
I, I, I want to ask the oracle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how should I feel about that? Yeah, would you go on a show with Dick Cheney, yeah. Josh? Uh, yeah, I totally would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a second thought. I mean, I, um, and some of that is just because I don't think that, I don't think that the, that the situation the country's in is one that we can set standards for who we will allow to join us in a basic defense of the sort of the architecture of the republic. No, no, can, 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 yeah. yeah, so I just want to be clear. This is more of a personal emotional reaction. Of yeah, course, yeah. yeah, of course I want, you know, all the allies we can get. So I'm not yeah. making the, the silly thing. I just mean, like, could you see yourself? I, you right. Know, no, I, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. I, 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 so we agree on that. I think I think one of the things that I have um, and some of this is because I started my I didn't actually start my journalism career in D.C. I started it up in Boston, actually, or in Cambridge. Um, but I got down there pretty quickly. And, and that's where I was where I had been working for a couple of years when I started TPM. I knew I mean, obviously didn't know Dick Cheney. Right. But I <laughs> but in the sense of, you know, a lot of people who you who you really disagree with and, and not just disagree with people who do things that are that are bad. Right. Um, and some of that is you you need to know those people as sources and you just sort of I don't know, you just and and kind of I guess characterologically, it may this may seem surprising given how I kind of carry myself publicly. Um I I generally get along with anybody in in the sense of on an interpersonal level. Like if someone's not yelling at me, if we can kind of, you know, just hello, blah, 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 blah. I, I just, I don't, I don't, um, again, it may seem kind of strange. I don't like fighting really, right? Kind of when someone, I, when someone says, hey, you know, when you come on and debate me about, I don't want to do that, I, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't, so in any case, just, yeah, I, I wouldn't have any problem at all. I, I don't, um, I don't know. That may be a failing. I, I... or it may, it may be your profession also. Just like it, it, just like just like lawyers represent people they don't agree with. Um... Yeah, I think it's. I think at some level it it is. You just kind of you you have to be able to talk to a lot of people, and you need to be able to kind of bracket things. I I do think that it's also um, it's a funny thing because uh, I. The first four years or so I ran TPM, it was from D.C., from like uh, the beginning in, in late 2000 to uh, mid-late 2004. And I eventually moved to New York, uh, basically because that's where my now wife lives. So Millette kind was of a, there. Yeah, yeah, Millette was there, exactly. Um, and so most of the history of TPM has been from a remove from 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 DC and I and I always thought even though again that wasn't why I did it I think it was it was a it was a great move for TPM because being at a distance mm -hmm. from DC mm -hmm. is a, is is a really I think a very positive thing but I started it being right there and I think that that being right there thing is 
it's a big plus and a big negative. And you can see it playing out with a lot of people in journalism and the world of commentary and stuff like that. Because on the one hand, if you have to see people, if you're going to bump into them, this is such a, this is that, so yeah, that just kind of makes you give a second thought to kind of, am I really going to say that one thing? Now, and, and I think that that is, that can be very helpful in the sense of, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep it within a certain level of fairness. I'm going to kind of pull back a certain level of hyperbole, because if I see that person, they're going to say, wait a second, you know, that's not true. You know, this isn't, you know, they're, they're going to call you on it. On the other hand, obviously, that can degenerate into you pull your punches because you don't you want to avoid awkward encounters right um mm -hmm. and that is that just goes both ways that's a that's a kind of a basic thing and i don't think there's a a right or you know it it, it i don't think one is necessarily better than the other but it is a dynamic that everybody who writes about politics is operating within and it's good to well, be, have people on both, you know, doing both things because there's, again, it, it's, you know, just pluses and minuses on both sides of it. I mean, I remember, I mean, I was coming out of non-journalism job at TPM. I had been like marginally in journalism beforehand. I was very young. I was like 22 or 23 when I started. And I will never forget watching the news cycle from inside TPM, which was like on the edge. HuffPo was on the rise. It was getting a link to, into Huffington Post meant your story went semi-viral, meant that you got clicks, meant that people were engaging reading it. That was like the goal. But there was also this informal network. And this is like a mix of kind of disgust but necessity in which like I understand, and I know that this is still how it, like kind of, it works in a lot of ways, in which you would promote other journalists work and other journalists would promote your work and other journalists would link to your work. And then th there, there was this like, there was this kind of like, I don't know, like, like buzz that you built around a story or around an idea. And then you yeah, would watch that idea go from like the blogs and like the kind of like, and it really was like a talking points memo. Like it was a literal met, like it was like, it went from like, this wonky kind of take and it would work its way up in like a day or two if the story was good enough that the new york times would fucking rip us off or like <laughs> someone else would rip us off and then maddow would cover it or somebody or like or oberman would cover it. like and there was just kind of like and then there was like it was like and then they take a screenshot of like the tpm headline if we were lucky right and then there was like there'd be and this was like the cycle and i remember kind of just seeing both like the stories that were legitimately good work them their way up that way and seeing stories that were kind of overtly political and catty work their way up that way too and it was kind of this like for me it was like a little like i mean it was just kind of a mix of like oh this is just this is how the sausage gets made um and it was I'm not trying to kind of like cast aspersions on any of it. It was just like, uh, this is, this is all like, as you said, like there are, there are just humans behind all of this stuff. And I do think that being in New York and covering DC was a blessing. Like it was a huge blessing. Like it allowed you so much more freedom and latitude. 
especially if you had a couple of good sources who would just come to you after they left a bar in mm -hmm. DC and like call you right. and tell you what the lowdown was. And then right. you didn't have any type of like, kind of like, well, I don't owe these people anything. I don't even know them. I'm just kind of like getting this like background. And now I have to go report it out and put all the pieces together, but I don't have any, like, that was the ideal, I would say, was like, no. you know, that kind of like arm's length. Yeah, no, I, again, that was, I thought it was a big plus, you know, we had at various points when we were, when we were um, knocking around kind of what our, you know, what our tagline would be, I think for, for, I think it was for what was, what was once the TPMDC verticals in it, but not of it. Right. Yes. Um, and that. for me, I think it was a good combination of, I knew that place fairly well. I had lived there um, uh, five or six years. Um, and I kind of learned how to be a reporter basically down there, but I wasn't there then. And uh, again, there's that, there's that, there's that plus and minus I, 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 I spoke about before, but it's a certain freedom to kind of like, I don't want to run into you. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of have an awkward conversation with you. I'm going to just going to say what I say and like, you know, whatever. Um, but also, you know, from fairly early on, we usually did have people down there. So we were able to kind of have the, have the best of both worlds. You know, you know, something that's interesting is I was noticing from what you just said and, ev and everything um, in, the, in the broad outlines is totally accurate what you just said and, and is accurate for when, for when you worked at TPM. Yeah. But, I, but I, one thing I notice, and I do this too, is how we telescope the last uh, 16, 17, 18 years that I think Rachel Maddow didn't get a show until several years later. Rachel Maddow didn't have a show then. She no, was, she was, she was, she was, actually, at, it, she was she on got, panels. She was on panels like 2005, six era. Keith Olbermann had a show though, right? And didn't she oh, sub for him regularly? Correct. Yes, that was, okay. that was, that was, the was. that was the trajectory. But I, I only, I, I'm not saying that to bust your time. I'm saying that. No, because, no, 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 you're right. There's so like, much history that, that, um, there's a lot, you know, we sort of compress the, the history and certain things that happen later have, you know, we kind of, we, we remember them all happening at the same time. And, and broadly speaking, it's, it's, it's accurate, but it's, but it, 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 uh, I, you know, it's, it's very funny. I, in, in running TPM, uh, I have had, well, I've had the blessing of a ton of really talented people who worked at TPM, but I've had different people who, who worked on the sort of the, business publishing side with me like and like Andrew. Andrew and the, and this is actually about Andrew that uh in that period there's a bunch of people who went on to become superstars that at various points one of those people in this uh, uh case Andrew was saying you know this person's really really talented we should do something with them and I in most cases knew we just didn't have the money not because obviously we wouldn't have the money to hire Rachel Maddow now but this was when she was I think she was, she was um, at Air America. Like they've been, she, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was at, uh, on Air America. But this was when Air America. But she wasn't a star on Air America. No. She was one person on Air America. Um, and so, anyway, that's just one thing about if you've been doing this, if you've been doing this long enough, you get to have said, "Oh, I could have." I well, I don't know if I could have hired. I could have tried to hire this person <laughs> who who became very famous. But anyway. No, That's she. So she I mean, I'm not wrong. She started in 2000 in September 2008. They announced that she was getting her own show in September 2008. 
Um, and so that was right before the Obama election. And right. that was, uh, and so it did kind of overlap. But so I, I, I think that like, but you're right. Like it was definitely not the, Olbermann was the thing. There were like a few others. Like, I mean, it was definitely. Yeah, he was the, he was the kind of. He was the kingmaker kind of thing. If he features something, your thing got a hundred thousand. Right, right. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny though, too. I was actually, I don't even remember. It'd be easy enough to find out when this was, but for reasons that were totally fortuitous, at least as far as I knew, I was actually on the last episode of that show. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, right, it, because it like got canceled very unceremoniously. Yeah, Maybe I don't know ex what the, over something or like get accused of something and like. I don't. I, can't I don't even remember. No, I don't think it was. I don't think it was something like that. I think that you know, uh, Oberman has a long history of feuding with everyone he's ever worked for. And usually getting fired or quitting, or he's just—that's just who Keith Him. is, and, and yeah, um, and and not that, you know, that could be an admirable thing. I mean, who knows? So, so I, I think it was—I don't think anything happened per se. I just think it fell apart between him and the executives at MSNBC. So this was just some kind of random evening that I, at, I went over there, did the show, uh, did the show. Um, and it's funny, I noticed like, oh, there's some suits kind of in the studio that night, like kind of, you know, sitting off, you know, off camera, obviously, didn't think about it. And I, I'm, uh, I'm, what was it? Like either I was, I was driving home or I get home and everybody's like freaking out because like at the end of that episode, he said, and this is my last <laughs> show ever. And I'm like, what? What the fuck? That's pretty well, great, actually. Yeah, we're, we're all dancing around it, so I might as well just ask it. So when or how do I get my own show? <laughs> yeah, good question. Good question. Yeah. Good question. Do I have to have for a long time. Share it. Yeah. Do I have to go on a pan? Do I have to go on a panel first, as you suggest, or can I? I think that, that usually is the that usually is the trajectory. Okay. People well, go thank on, you very much. Thanks yeah, for the people, tip. Okay. People go on a panel, and then they kind of like uh, okay. whether it's I don't know if they have uh, I don't know if it's they have um, you know if they have an agenda to get their own show, but that's usually so, okay. You know, okay. It's, but, it's, but, but, it's again. It's a comorbidity I, of getting your own show. <laughs> <laughs> or what is it when it with the, that thing where it's a contributor, I guess, to it, you know. You know. I, I mean, so I never, unlike you, Scott, I never wanted to do this. Ben roped me into this. I thought it was going to be like two weeks. Um, and as proof that I never wanted to do this, I'd like to present this hostage video from TBM TV from 2008. I think I'm 23 years old in this video. Um, and I'm talking, my beat was, as Josh will remember, one of my beats was Alaska um, and Ted Stevens, um, who was at that point being investigated by the DOJ in a trial I would go on to cover that I will like literally never forget because it was one of the most insane trials. I mean, someone should write a book about it because it's kind of, or like do a movie. Like, do you remember the FBI agents had an affair with each other? One of the jurors, like- That's told, sort of like, a, that's, Emmett, a, like that's sort of a current theme. Yes, and then like Emmett Sullivan, FBI like, horn had dog, like yes. up investigation. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god! But then like the judge, like do you remember the juror who was like, "Oh, I'm really sorry, my mother died, I have to leave." And Judge Emmett, I'll never forget his name. Like was like, sure, in this like extreme situation, we'll put in like another juror. And 
Um, actually, the juror went to bed on like the Kentucky Derby and was like, like lost all this money at the Kentucky Derby and became like remember. when yeah. you don't remember that when I remember the other stuff. The Kentucky, I, I I didn't I didn't remember the Kentucky there Derby. There was a giant and... copper statue of a salmon fish that was like in like oh, Ted's home. Like there were just yeah. like I mean I just like yeah. had, it was a, it I just was went a very... through a lot of documents so I yeah. remember it's like the curse of doc review. It was a very have... primary <laughs> colors kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um but I'm going to share this. Hold on let's see if I can like get it to play. It's a little, it's, uh, this was, uh, this was, um, uh, I would say, uh, <gasps> oh my goodness, look at you. Yes. Hold on, I know. Awesome. I had like, I had like makeup on and stuff. Don't tell anyone. Hi, this is Kate Klonick for TPM Media. It's Tuesday, August 5th. 2008. What you saw right there was a motorcycle convoy that brought Senator Ted Stevens to a rally at his campaign headquarters yesterday morning. We're with you, Ted. I'm glad to see all you guys are bikers. I bet when you know, people see the bikers, they know that there's some real force present. So. <laughs> As you saw Senator Stevens described, the rally was meant as a show of force to his supporters as he continues to run for re-election in the face of his indictment. Now, some of you might wonder why Stevens is continuing to fight for his political life at 84 years old and with almost 40 years in the Senate. Well, Stevens had something to say about that. After a lifetime of work, some people ask me, why should you run for re-election? The short and simple answer is, my mission for Alaska is not complete yet. Anyway, uh, he would go, I mean, there, there was my, like, tell, I mean, I was just, like, I was, like, trying to, I remember also that it took me 16 takes to get the date right. There's actually a TP, there's a TPM TV blooper reel. I think on I'm either, on, a lot on, of either it. on either uh, on either our channel or you know I think I think it's 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 up somewhere but yeah no it's pretty it's I remember that stuff you know I'll I'll tell you this is this is actually an example why that why we had that show which we did for a little more than two years in like 2007 2008 in that in that range um, what I what I am what I am good at is not so much the the writing stuff but uh a, a kind of uh, scrappiness about building the company that 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 runs tpm and actually that the story with that show is that you know at various points there'd be this opportunity and that opportunity and i could sort of claw the company up a bit and that was there was a um I am so glad that you're mentioning this because there is, yeah. we had it, I cut it off, but there was a bit at the beginning that it was like a partnership with, what was yeah. it called? The something? Like, like it was some well, type of video vlogging thing. It, it was a company called Next New Networks and they had uh, channels. I mean, this was and everything was much more primitive. They had a channel called Veracifier, which was yes. their kind of politics channel. And uh, I had been, I, I had, uh, 
a couple years before I got very into what we now just call clips, right? The things that like, you know, Aaron does on, on, on Twitter. And I remember at some point, this was kind of right around the time when YouTube was becoming a thing. And I remember I did all this stuff to try to figure out what the tech would be to just like, you know, not do YouTube, but actually like publish the videos yourself. In any case, um, I've been doing that. And then I, I started talking to these guys, Next New Networks, which was, you know, one of a million VC backed operations that were kind of in the early, you know, when there was rocket boom and, you know, who's going to do viral video and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. There were like a bunch of people, like there was a whole, what was that yeah, woman's they were, name? The really attractive woman that was like, Congdon. was it rocket boom? Was it? Yeah, or it was, like, I think, I think Congdon was her last, Amanda yes, Congdon. Or something like that. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, so a, a bunch of companies that wanted to kind of get in on that and had a lot of VC money. Um, and so I struck a deal with them that we would uh, produce this show, which was like a daily, you know, four or five minute show, kind of like that. Um, and uh, four days a week, which I'll tell you is fucking labor intensive, really labor intensive. Oh, you don't it was say. Like half, it was like half my day, basically, <laughs> coming up with stories and stuff like that. But in any case, that the contract was we would get $15,000 a month for that. And at the time, that was like a third of the budget of the whole company. So yeah. that, that chunk of money allowed me to kind of really jump at, a, you know, to, to, sort of the, to sort of the next level. And we did that for um, a couple years. And, uh, you know, the, the big thing about video is, and why I've always been very video averse, is that it is basically impossible to get people to watch video at the level at which it is, uh, you know, a, a, a profitable venture. Yes. Um, and so if you are needing to get people to read that, you know, to, to watch and watch to the end, man, it, it is just like, like being Sisyphus. If you're, you're 10 other Sisyphi are behind you and you're pulling them up to, you know, it's just, it's impossible. <laughs> right. And, uh, but in this case, that wasn't our problem. You know, we try to get it high as possible, but, but it was just, not. You just, but you were getting fifteen thousand dollars a month, regardless, right? And so that was. Yeah, which was, is really put me on. Now I get it. You know, it, it was that was a that was a and, and uh, you know they um, I think they sold two or three ads the whole two year period, but they also like cashed out and, and sold themselves to YouTube. So I'm sure they made out like bandits, but but. 15 grand a month for two years was a huge, huge, I mean, it would be, it would be a huge amount of money for any of us, but I'm saying a huge amount of money in yeah, context yeah. of running a company. Yeah. That, that explains also why you were very, uh, as I recall, very uh, pessimistic about Facebook's pivot to video saying, this is just not going to work. Um, you, you, I mean, you had done it many years earlier and, and, and saw how difficult it was. That's yes, that was definitely, I mean, there were, there were, there were other reasons that, that fed into, um, that fed into, uh, um, my pessimism, but one of them was, yeah, it's really hard to get people to watch video and it made me skeptical of the numbers because because just to remind everybody what happened mm. here is you know i was not the only one who realized that it's really hard to get people to watch video 
And then in, I don't remember exactly when it was this, I think in the 12, 13, 14 Unless era. Unless you're a toddler I, and then toddlers will watch videos forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now with like TikTok, kind of everybody constantly watches video, but that's a different thing than watching video in the no, way, totally in, the, in, in the way that, in the way that uh, we're describing. Um, so I, I knew it was really hard. Facebook, and then again, at some point, I don't remember exactly what year it was, Facebook came out with like these new numbers, like, wow, they've cracked it. They are getting people to watch the video. And like internally at TPM, we had, you know, we were kind of proposing, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to get this for video. Because again, if you're involved in the, in the, in the advertising part of, of digital publishing, you get the RFPs. Where's the video? What video do you have that you're going to, and, and was like, well, we have all, you know, where the view, all blah, 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 blah. It's really, really hard. And so they came out and they had these numbers like, wow, they've cracked it. And that shifted everybody in digital publishing either to that if they can crack it, we can crack it. Or if they can crack it, we will produce video and we'll put it on Facebook and all these kind of things. And so it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's still a little murky. Basically, they fake the numbers, or yes. I guess to be really precise, maybe they maybe the numbers were unintentionally false, and then they didn't mention it for a couple of years, right? Until, but the point is, they have such heft that they were able to kind of uh, the steer the yeah, still the whole uh, uh, steer the whole market in a totally different direction, and uh, obviously. Uh, Digital journalism had all sorts of uh, underlying weaknesses that were not Facebook, but basically they got tons of people to make big bets that in a lot of cases destroyed companies, right? Um, or you know, destroyed companies through a mix of, of stupidity and greed and whatever. But yes, the fact that I had tried early on when, when the market wasn't glutted to, to get people to watch video, that it is, like, man, I was like, no way, man, it is... I've been there. I'm not doing that again. But this was a great business move. The 15K a month regular. I mean, that's just like a smart, like it's a smart contract. Like it's like a smart, like if like, I mean, that's, I mean, it's a good deal. Like there's. Nothing, yeah. I mean, I mean, this, is, this is when start when, when kind of, when we went into that contract, probably the whole revenue for the company was maybe 30. Yeah. Right. So like big money, big, big money. And it was, yeah. a, it allows us, I mean, honestly, probably allowed us to hire you. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. And then I think that like after 2008, there was a huge like belt tightening after the election. There was a huge belt tightening because there was a real concern. I think I remember this very distinctly, um, which was like, yay, Obama's been elected. What the fuck is going to happen to all of this kind of like literally participatory democracy media like that has developed in that in the two terms of bush that has like what is going to happen with it is it going to be is it an actual change in infrastructure is it an actual change in the informational ecosystem is it like a real systemic change or is it going to be like a fad that was basically brought about just because people were outraged about it? well it turns out it was not a fad obviously but i think that we were you were we were ever there was a bit, there was a big there was a worry there well not just worry there was there was a whole there was a lot of that. And there was, um, I know that, I know that, I mean, at that time, I think that, I think that I knew that that contract was ending before the election. 
Um, but it was also when I was for the first and what turned out to be intentionally the only time uh, raising money for the company. And that sort of was was one thing we had going on at that, you know, in that kind of transition period. Um, but I do remember pretty clearly in 2009, it took us seven or eight months to get our kind of legs about us editorially to because we had this idea like, OK, you know, kind of Democrats are are in charge and they're going to be in charge for decades now. And, you know, uh, we're going to sort of chronicle that story and everything. And uh, it might have been good for the country if that's if that was the story. Um, but it it it, you know, it it left us kind of not exactly sure what our you know what our role was right. i think history took care of that no, right right because fortunately like the world fell apart i mean you had like the, <laughs> you know you had the global financial crisis you had the tea party um revival you had the kind of the beginnings of uh kind of sorry we're asking we're asking oh, Genevieve is one of our co-hosts and she's a former law student of mine and she's amazing. Um, but she's also a co-host on In Lua Fun and she has a question, but we're inviting questions on. So are people on just to ask you questions? So just keep, but keep going on. But yeah, I, cool. sorry, Scott, what were you saying? No, I was Any just going to say that it is funny to think that 2008 would be the end of history for the liberals um <laughs> well you know it's it, it is it is it's funny because when when in the period i'm talking about the crisis was already had was already happening right the financial crisis was a was a thing oh, and if God. anything that seemed like um that seemed to as a it it, it fed into a narrative about a long-term you know, kind of democratic ascendancy. And, but, but it was, the funny thing was though, that what really, what really, uh, what, what clicked to me was something that was happening in the summer of 2009, which was these, uh, you know, kind of feral pre-Trumpers, you know, tea partiers showing up at these town halls to rant mm. about Obamacare. And uh, it seemed like, it seemed like, and it was in many ways, kind of, you know, it was organized by the various kind of, you know, Republican pressure groups and stuff like that. But that was the thing. And it's not just, I mean, in a sense, it, it, it presaged a lot of stuff that we know about, you know, subsequently over the last dozen years or so. Um, but that was a thing that I was kind of like, okay, there's the there's the thread this is where we are that's that's a thing right and so it was that in kind of i think it was july august of of 2009 where um i just had a sense of like okay i get i, I get where we are whereas i think in 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 a lot of ways for the first six months or so editorially i didn't quite get mm. where we were Right. I mean, I would say that it was just like an insane learning curve. Like you had started mm. as just blogging and then it was like, okay, well, is this the opportunity? Like maybe I don't need to get hired by someone. Maybe this is like my Substack moment to put it in modern terms. Um, I mean, like it's like, I mean, it's basically what it is. And then like you develop it into an entire media company. Like, but that it's very funny, as you say, to telescope 
everything that's happened in the last 22 years. But like, honest to God, Josh, you like built it from the literal ground up. And it's an amazing story, um, I think. And I also think like I'm looking at kind of I'm like, I'm hoping to have Ben Smith on soon. I think I put you guys were like talking with each other. Like, I think the last time like he was still at. Buzzfeed. At, uh, Buzzfeed. Yeah, Buzzfeed. When you were like at that content moderation conference with, and you guys both talked, and like you guys. Were oh trying, like, yeah, did... I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was I great. And it was yeah, you and yeah, yeah. it was you and Ben. But like, I'm really interested in like what the hell Ben's doing in the 200 million English language people that he is like the market that he is re- like sussed out. Um, but I mean, I just think that generally the thing, is... the thing he the thing he's not saying is 200 million. English speaking people online is not a thing. 200 million English speakers who are very affluent and are considered in an influential audience. That's that's money yes. for what he's for what he's building. Well, do you think that it's I'm about not saying, I'm not saying that 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 is my you know prescription of 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 value, but for the people who will fund his operation, that is the prescription of value. Well, that's kind of an interesting point because I was kind of wondering and not to get like too like in the weeds about this for a second in like the media world. But I am kind of curious, like he launched this media company and um, or he's launching it. And it kind of hits me that like, isn't he like he like caters to an audience of people that like are very cosmopolitan and that fly from like one place to the, like Hong Kong is to like Marrakesh as like, you know, not really Marrakesh because no one goes to Marrakesh, but you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. just kind of like this general kind of like, I'm just comfortable in any urban environment and can like, and there is like that, that there like, and, but that is very different from like the, the way that he, like, saying 200 English speakers makes it sound like you're catering to an ESL audience, which I don't think is like, what is like going on? Yeah. Well, I guess what, I guess what he, I guess what he said was uh, 200 million college educated uh, English speakers on, on, online and college educated. Yes. College educated is a major, you know, kind of uh, caveat or sort of, you know, part of the Venn diagram. College education is also uh, used as proxy in the advertising world for a certain kind of outlook and a certain level of affluence, even though obviously a certain average revenue per user. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, and I think the key there is, you know, there are, uh, there are, um, tons of English speakers in the United States, in the United Kingdom and Australia, Canada, uh, some in South Africa, um, a whole, huge number of of second language but de facto language of business uh people in east asia um you know whole countries where because of the multilingualism of the country english is the you know is the link franco blah 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 blah. but the key there is that to have a news organization you have to have some kind of common experience some kind of common narrative about what matters in the world right i mean and that that is a major that's a major qualifier right because i mean what's the news well the news is fairly different on the ground in no, in in south it's, africa it's and in among different. you know elites in kenya and stuff like that so you're looking at a you are i think in effect looking um at 
a certain kind of cosmopolitan, educated, affluent, global elite that largely uh, speaks speaks English, speaks to speaks within you know within that world, and that has to be um, what they are are going for because again, that's where you get the money to to run that kind of run yeah. that kind of operation. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. No, I, those are both happens. both really smart guys, and they and they yeah. come they come at both Justin and him. They come at they both have really good experience for that kind of operation coming from kind of two different uh, two different angles on it. So they're 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 you know those guys are both uh, uh, really smart. Um, so I would not be surprised if they're, if they're successful. No, I, I mean, it also doesn't, it strikes me as they're smart, but they're also not lazy. And so they would have researched this fairly decently. So yeah. Yeah. But and they've like, got seems... a lot of good, they've got, I mean, they, they have, both of them have things that I would disagree with them on, but I, I know a lot about how this industry works and, and they're both, and both of them do too. I think you're right. I think it's a. I think it's a really well poised venture. Let's put it that way. Um, hi, JD, GDF. How you doing? You're in hey, the dark. I, I know. I, I'm too lazy to go turn the light on. Um, okay. I started in the light, and now I'm in the dark. Much like democracy these days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to be kind of switching gears with my question. Thanks for taking it. Um, regarding McCarthy's statements about stripping Democrats of their committee appointments. We consistently see Republican officials co-opting punitive actions taken by Democrats to further consolidate their political power. What can be done other than naming the bad behavior to prevent abusive rule by a minority? And does history give us any examples we should learn from? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I, I don't know if there is any obvious thing that you can do to stop this kind of stuff. As you say, the real the real Republican model here is just to who to punch back um, and 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 separating the punching back from even a notional connection to any kind of any kind of precipitating event. You know, the, the, there has been this thing where what two or three different Republican members of the House have been stripped of their committee assignments. It's been in response to 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 things that are pretty clearly uh, that would have been at any point in the last century seen as you know beyond the pale, blah 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 blah. And so what they're talking about is, look, we come back in power, we're just gonna we're we're gonna um, you know take the 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 half a dozen Democrats most pilloried on Fox News, and we're going to strip them of the because because payback because that's all it, it's it's everything in 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 Republican politics is uh, is tribalism and and strike back. I mean, you, you saw with you know with Trump the whole investigating the investigators and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the only thing you can the only thing you can really do is build political power by winning elections. Um, and that's obvious, but it's not always obvious to people. There are not necessarily, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk in our politics today about coming up with 
you know, ingenious structural fixes or, you know, whether it's the courts or whether it's a new this or a new that or you're going to, you know, do whatever. You really have to win elections and start building political power and consolidating political power and do things with it. Um, political power is the is the fundamental thing. And most things, you know, to kind of use the antiquated terminology are just epiphenomena of political power. Um, so I don't, you know, we should definitely have the For the People Act. We should definitely do everything we can before the courts. But those are really not going to hold up against consolidated political power. So you need to you need to build political power. You need to, if it's all you have, uh, uh, consolidate defensive political power. And I and I suspect if things go poorly over the last, you know, over the next half dozen years, that's going to be really a big thing. Is is consolidating defensive political power in in blue states basically. Uh, I, I think winning elections, consolidating political power where you can, and making sure that you that you get the the frightening information about the opposition out in front of the public in a compelling way. Because if you can't, if that, if doing that can't move people can't have a have an effect on on the on the political dynamics of the country then maybe it doesn't matter that much mm. it's like a little dark i don't know sorry go ahead scott i have thoughts but we also right. have a bunch of questions but go ahead i just um i do because this feels like a yoda moment where i get to ask <laughs> yoda the question um i, I but be, I that's before not a I, reference to my looks no, yes, no, 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 it's to, it's, it's to wisdom. Um, um, uh, but um, before that, I just mentioned that, like, as a TPM viewer, um, I just want to say that I, like, the fact that Trump pardoned Randy Duke Cunningham um, just feels like the ultimate insult. You used to have the Duke Awards, didn't you? No, right, exactly. Yeah. The Duke, yeah. yeah, the Duke, this guy was the symbol of, of you know of corruption and of course he gets pardoned i mean it's just it's uh, it's almost too perfect i mean you reminded me that when you you you, you kate when you brought up the ted stevens ted stevens and randy duke cunningham were like the two just <laughs> kind of amazing you can't even talk about that shit anymore though because it doesn't even matter it's just like not even yeah, funny right. Like, right. it's just like, like Matt, like how do you compare that to like Mad Getz or something? But anyway, here's here's the Yoda question. Okay, is there is there an optimistic scenario for 2014 um, or 2014? I, I'm sorry, 2024. Excuse me. I'm sorry, 2024. <laughs> I was that like is terrified. Uh, I'm like, uh, oh, you no. know, I, I I'm still. <laughs> From talking to you, I was still in the Bush era. I know, I know. So, yes, so I was projecting, <laughs> but 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 in in the in the very methodical way in which lower level um, electoral officials are being replaced um, by stop the stealers and Trumpers. I mean, it 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 it's. I I find it hard to see the op, like how one shouldn't be completely pessimistic. So I guess the question is, should one be completely pessimistic? I mean, I'm not. 
I'm not. I'm not at all about 2024. Uh, I'm. I'm, you know, kind of guardedly pessimistic about 2022 because it's a very. It's just a very difficult right. election for the Democrats. Um, I do think that, you know, there is a dynamic that we have seen repeatedly in 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 recent decades where sometimes the best thing that can happen to an incumbent president is to lose control of Congress it, during the first, you know, during the first midterm election of the presidency, because that gives them something to play off against. Because as long as it's them and, and unified control of government, everything is, an, is a referendum on them, right? Um, and that is in many ways what uh, Joe Biden is dealing with right now. It's just him. Right. It's every it's it's the chaos of the whole world, all of which is at his doorstep. This happened. Why didn't you stop it? That happened. Why didn't you stop it? It's kind of tough because the world is not in a great place. Right. And I'm not that's not saying he couldn't be doing a better job. But I mean, it is structurally a difficult place to be. Um, you know, we saw it with Clinton. We saw it with Obama. You, you lose the Congress and then you kind of like there's there's someone else. It's not just me versus a hypothetical, you know, uh, perfect president. It's me versus these other guys. Um, so I think that in many ways it could, uh, I, I think it is more likely than not than a not great, that a not great outcome in 2022 helps you have a better outcome in, in 2024. Um, on the question of like, are we going to have a real presidential election in 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 2024? Um, look, I see all the same things everybody else does. Uh, I let's put it this way: it's going to be quite difficult to take a decisive win, and state legislatures just say. No, we're going to have the other guy be president. I'm not saying it can't happen. They're laying the groundwork to make it happen. It will not be easy to do that. And I think the um, the real the, the real scenario is one in which if it's close, that's a real problem. Because you have the you have the skids greased to take something that is close that puts real substantive decisions into the discretionary authority of the kind of of the big lie types and that's that's real bad so i still think what it comes down to is you can't let it be close um now i'm not saying something bad can happen it absolutely can and and you find yourself in that position if if uh if you know if Joe Biden runs and he is reelected and three or four Republican state legislatures just send different electors to Congress, then you're in a kind of a, you know, an existential crisis situation where, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, found an army and go, you know, like, what do you what do you do at that point? Because uh, I mean, for the reasons we all know, I, I'm just saying that I don't see it as. I see it as a very real danger. I do not by any means see it as what's the point? We're not going to, you know, we're not going to yeah, have a real not, election. It's a, you, what you're saying is you're not saying it's inevitable, but you're not saying it's not close enough for great discomfort. I think it is 
I think it is as, you know, probably as great a danger for a a breakdown of the Republican order that, you know, it's sort of a question of what you want to call the Civil War. It's a different set of, you know, U.S. Civil War, different set yeah. of uh, circumstances. Um, the grain, the danger is great. It is, it is very grave. And again, I think it really comes into effect if you've got a close, a close call where, you know, discretionary, the, the, the notionally lawful use of discretionary power by bad actors can make the difference. Um, so yes, it's really bad. I do not think by any means that it is inevitable and we're not going to have a real presidential election. I think it is going to be a very dangerous one. And I think there's a really good chance that if it is close, it could be stolen. And it's really important that it not be close. Unfortunately, we are in a period where every election is close, right? We don't have, yeah. we don't have decisive presidential elections. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it is suboptimal to put it mildly. I'm just thinking if I'm, so I'm going to bring Andy on. Um, but I was just thinking about how um, the the chart that's been going around of Republicans after January 6th, estimation of Trump and uh, McConnell and like, you know, just like the the straight line, like no real like change. And then like McConnell, I mean, like it's just a very interesting question about like how we hold hold more periodic elections accountable than an executive branch in some type of way, even though they're not. Andy, it's so great to see you. It's been a while. Um, yeah. Great I'm question. Uh, switching gears a little bit to something a little bit more funny, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I loved your story about Ted Cruz. I guess you were a few years ahead of him in college. Is that? Uh, I think uh, one, I think one year ahead of him in college. Right. One year, so uh, yeah, one year ahead of him. What was the your favorite, best, worst, wildest story you heard while researching him about what he was like in college? And uh, were there any great anecdotes that did not make the article? And what do you think of Ted, Tim Miller's theory that Ted Cruz has a humiliation fetish? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so, Josh, do you yeah. want to be sued for defamation? <laughs> sort of in for a dime and for a dollar at this point. Um, uh, I don't think there was anything I, I mean, there was, there were probably things I left out because I, you know, I didn't have permission to share them. Um, yeah. So I was, I was a, a year older than Ted in college and, and my wife was actually his year in college. Uh, and she went on actually to go to law school at the same place at the same time with him. So she was actually oh, right. she was in, sorry, yes, so she was it, it, with him. Yeah. Yes. So that. she was in school with him for seven years. Um, and so the fun, yeah, so the funny thing is, when, when Ted Cruz was elected to the Senate, um, I didn't, I totally didn't remember him. And when I was, sh and so at the, at the college I went to, uh, there were residential colleges. So it wasn't just I went to the same university. I went to the same, I was in the same kind of, you know, uh, three, four, five hundred sub college yeah like, like yeah like, like closed yeah garden, like little you know like kind, kind of, of like, group yeah. of dorms or something like that and i have i have an extremely good memory like i just i just like if 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 we ran into each other uh you know or knew each other 25 years ago you probably don't remember me but i remember you right and so when people brought up ted cruz i was 
never, you know, and people show me pictures like, yeah, I kind of remember that guy, right? Um, uh, but kind of in that way that which, like, maybe you remember him, maybe you're just kind of creating a, you know, a, a fictitious recollection or something like that. And the funny thing is, is that uh, Dave Patton, who's this guy who's like his best friend in college and went with him through law school. I knew him, knew him really well. Great guy. Bizarrely, he's a really sweet guy, right? I know him. And you never met Ted Cruz? For whatever reason, and I knew everyone who knew him. I knew all his, I, everybody. And 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 Millette, my I wife. I kind of respect you very much for admitting that you didn't know him. I like it would just, be easy to confabulate, like or I, to fab to be a yeah, fabulous. I tried. I tried. I really, I really tried, but I just did not remember him. So I went back and I just talked to everybody. Like, do you remember this guy? You know, do you remember this guy, Ted Cruz? Blah blah blah. blah. And when I did, everyone, uh, it, it was it was so strange because again, this was someone who I was in very close proximity to. And somehow I just had, and I remember everyone else, everyone else in college. I remember them. Everyone ever, ever, like I've ever met, I remember. Don't remember this guy. And um, so when I, when I was talking, to, I, I asked people this. It's like, you know, what is your recollection of Ted Cruz? Well, oh, complete asshole. <laughs> total. I mean, just, just consistently, everybody like, oh, total douchebag. <laughs> and, all, and all the and all the stuff and also when I got beyond like where you know where I went to college to people who like he was very big into college debate and I want to I want to I want to tread carefully here because I know there is a a a a strong comorbidity between college the college debate circuit and people who go on to be and trolls. to excel no 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 to excel <laughs> maybe that too to excel in the in in the academic legal academy, right? In the, in, oh. in in academic law. In any case, when I talk to people, not, in not, that, not me, not me. Okay, but a lot, but a lot of you guys, but a lot of, but I've always been a loser. Yeah, but <laughs> a lot of a lot of people who who are 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 in 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 that world were. In any case, and he was like a big player in that world. Was like you know, and and uh, in any case, just at every step, every you know. No one, no one except this David Patton guy, who again is a really nice guy. I knew this guy, right? Sweetest guy in the world. I have no idea what kind of like hocus pocus Ted put on him to make make him be his best friend. Um, <laughs> but that was the thing. I mean, you know, smarmy, you know, kind of the kind. I mean, I don't, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Let's just say smarmy and yeah, the kind yeah, of yeah. and and we and, get it. and and and, and uh, in addition to everything. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and after after I had heard all these things, I kind of remembered, I kind of looked at the picture like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember that guy. But again, this is like repressed memory stuff, right? It was <laughs> quite possible that I'm just like, I've been stewing and everybody telling me how, how terrible he was. But in any case, I did not, I did not uh, remember him. And, and again, my wife totally did. You know, oh, asshole, total asshole. What, what? What, what about the point? What about the humiliation fetish theory? You know, uh, it's a, so. it's a, it's a, <laughs> I guess it's a, it's a, it's a decent theory because he is, he is a man at war with his own dignity. Right. Yeah. So, so that would kind of fit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but just like, like every, 
Like, I mean, I feel like this is like, do you remember, what's the North Carolina governor who like went on the Appalachian Trail? Oh, uh, it was, yes. Right, like, I mean, like, wait, but, South, like, Carolina. I mean, though, South Carolina. Ted, South, South Carolina. Carolina. And, yeah, and, South Carolina. And like, and we don't talk about him anymore, but John Edwards and like, Mark, that, I mean, like, there's just, um, there's just so many stories of, I, I guess like, men at war with their own dignity could literally be half of the politics of like all of the U.S. Well, it's, it's, it's true, <laughs> although, you, you know, the funny thing is like someone like John Edwards, after that hit, he just disappeared. He did. He disappeared, right? And uh, so that's so that's one thing. But you have uh, and God, what is uh, Sanford? Uh, yeah, yeah, Mark Sanford. Yeah, Mark Sanford. Right. He had a whole comeback. You know, he yeah. had to kind of take a few, uh, go to the minors for a few seasons, but he came back in the House <laughs> of Representatives, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what was it? Was he in the House and then he became governor? Because he, he was in D.C. He was yeah. a, he was in D.C. Then he became governor. And I think he came back in the House. And and strangely, he, he was yeah. he was one of those people that Trump put out of business. Yeah, and, he was a never Trumper. And yeah. that is that's the funny thing, though, because that was in the Trump era, you have a certain very small subset of Republicans, of people who would not, you know, do the bending of the knee to Trump. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, Corker in Tennessee and, and, and in most cases, it was not much heteros heterodoxy. It was just not the absolute fealty. And ironically, Sanford is one of those guys. So there was a kind of a, a certain amount of dignity recovery there. I mean, he and Trump ended his political career, but that's not that's a that's a fairly dignified way to to be run out of politics. I well, mean, either you know. that either that or just like the dignity bar has fallen so low that Mark Sanford didn't clear it before, but like, but like what, way what clears is, it now. I wanted to yeah. say like I think that Mark Sanford's like, unlike John Edwards cheating on tyrant wife, right, dying of cancer, like, there is like, there was a little bit of a difference, like, he just kind of like had an affair and there was like this thing. And so there's like, you don't want to like, disappeared. Yuck, yuck. well, in the, yes, he did disappear. But like, I will, I will say I will, I will say this, I always had a certain grudging respect for him, because the standard thing, too. <laughs> the standard thing in that case, I mean, he, he runs off to gone? Argentina because he's so in love with this woman, right? Now, I obviously, know. you shouldn't be, you shouldn't fall in love with people who aren't your spouse, but he did, and he's he's down in Argentina because he has, you know, he's he, he has to see her, and then the standard thing to do there is you have a press conference, you say, "I made a terrible mistake, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna." fix things with my family and blah blah and blah blah blah, like, and he didn't, and he was like, you know what, I love this woman. And I did it, and I just love this woman. And I'm kind of like, okay, dude, that is a better, that is a more dignified way. It is a, it is a less successful, but it is a more dignified way to say, you got me. What can That's I say? A, I'm in love. I feel like we should rewrite. We should rewrite his legacy, maybe. I feel like maybe we should make a musical, like hire Lynn Morales. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I will, I will say that that, um, you know, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Sanford had and continues to have really egregious politics. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, I mean, like you know, again, uh, people. I always, 
I always had a grudging respect for his besottedness and um, unwillingness to lie in the way that 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 politicians have learned you need to lie when you get caught in something like that. Totally. I completely agree. I mean, I I look to like the uh, oh god, the Weiner video, the Weiner documentary is the best about this. Like, it just is like art. Um, Tom McGuckin, you hey. tag me and Josh and Jed and <laughs> in, a, in all the time, and I never get to respond to you because I'm always like, I don't know what he's talking about. So I'm just going to like, I don't have time to like dig into it. But go ahead, ask your question. Okay. Last word, all right, yeah. friend. I, aren't I supposed to give the last word? I you're, will do yes, it anyway. you're wonderful. Yeah. Give the last word. Okay, Josh, uh, you, Kate. Scott and Ben are the people that I really listen to. I communicate with you all the time. Uh, but at any rate, Josh promised me that he would get, uh, he had a thing in DC about four years ago. I actually paid to go out there. I want you guys to come out West. I don't care where it is. And I'll get Kate and Scott and Ben to come out and you guys can all put out something, but you just need a little bit of a Western uh, sort of vent to your uh, to your deal, and uh, I, that's I, the last word I have in lieu of fun. But uh, I didn't get this Oakley right, but that's what I'm saying. It you know what? I complete I, I completely agree. And actually, in part of our plan in 2020 was that we were going to hold at least two in-person events off the east coast and and just for for people who aren't familiar with tpm it's not that we have some like kind of elitism about the east coast that's where we live right i mean we're located in new york and dc so obviously to get you know to to leave the east coast is is um you know just in terms of planning and stuff is much more yeah, difficult than to do it in 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 dc and new york but for exactly the reason you say we that was our plan and then obviously COVID happened and and we have uh uh, you should do it in Santa Fe and Missoula. It would be like two great. Well, I, I, I guess I guess there we could do it with, you know, we could it's, you know, you, you have a low population per per square mile there. So we could, you know, kind of do it, do it COVID safe. Like no one, no one come into this quadrant without taking like an antigen test. In any case, Denver would be a not a bad place. Denver, Denver's not bad either. Denver yeah. makes sense, or like Austin makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of places, and I I, I totally agree. And and again, it's it's just been, um, it it's it's just been it's COVID, right? And 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 um, our even just to give you an example, you know, we were, uh, we we've been remote um, since the beginning of the pandemic, and we were going to be back to you know, part-time in person in our New York office uh, in September, last September. And then Delta happened, right? And then we kind of say, okay, we're going to put a pause on this. And, and you know, kind of here we are. So as soon as, <laughs> as soon as COVID's over, right, we are going to, we're going to do that. And I say that tongue in cheek, but I really mean it. Um, it's, it's just because of the chaos of, um, of the last two years kind of adding to the fact that it, as a small organization, it's, it's, it's difficult to, um, organize stuff, not in our, you know, not on our home territory, just with all the log logistics and stuff like that. But yes, as soon as, um, as soon as things calm down enough, we are going to do that. And we, 
we think it is important. And I mean, look, I was born in Missouri and I was raised in California. I'm not, you know, I, I get that there's that there's a whole other country out there. So yeah, we're gonna do it. I love that. Um, so we are going to leave it there. This was, thank you for spending so much time with us. This was amazing. I could have like spent another hour actually. We could have gotten like way more in the weeds and a bunch of those things. And like, I pulled myself back, <laughs> um, but this was so wonderful. And um, man, I can't wait to hopefully see you again in person soon. Like, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, Scott, uh, we are not allowed to have fun anymore. But 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 we but we do get to meet one of one of our heroes. Um, uh, thank you, Josh, for coming. I, I, yeah, I, thanks I, for I having really, me. I really mean it. Like you're <laughs> like you got me through the Bush administration. I really mean it. I can't. I'm not even joking. Well, ditto, um, ditto. You know, I, <laughs> my my relationship with with TPM and the TPM audience did for me. Um, you know, I, it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very deep thing. I'll tell you the 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 night of the 2004 election, which I thought Kerry was going to win. I did not think it was by any means a sure thing. I thought all, you know, 52%, 48% likelihood. Um, and I remember uh, that night when it became clear to me he had lost. And I spent that night and in, into the next morning, like in this kind of comatose, you know, sort of depressive catatonic state in bed. And part of it was, is that I felt like, man, I had sort of led a lot of people to think this, this it was going to work out. And I needed to kind of explain what the next step was. And that was like, and that was, that was both very daunting, but my feeling that I needed to do that also kind of propelled me forward. Right. Um, cause like, you know, there's still, uh, uh, after the flood, there's still, you still have stuff to do, right? So, and I, and I, and so and the, most the audience helped me, helped me manage that. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I do, I, I, I remember that. And, um, and I would just say to our, to people out in the, in the Greek chorus, uh, I, uh, I subscribe to TPM. You should subscribe yeah. to TPM. Yeah, everybody TPM. subscribe. This is so great. And we'll put, we'll put a link on, on Twitter and everything else. But this was amazing. It never hit me until this moment that, like, this show started at a similar moment, which was that it started with, like, with Ben starting it during that one week period. He literally just, like, tweeted at me and was like, start a live show with me. And now we're 582 episodes in, like, almost every day for the entire pandemic and it's not it's not it's not dissimilar um we're not trying to build a media company i think i just would like to stay alive for like <laughs> and like teaching my classes for like a few more for a few more years but like but i do think that there is like but it, yeah it's like it's it's funny that you kind of all of this is uh it's made me kind of think a lot about like what this show is too like as you kind of were talking about this and like what new media is Mm -hmm. and like what the engagement in video is it's just like yep. so incredibly different so josh this is amazing you're the best well, thanks for having you. me good luck with the hose case all right <laughs> I, I finished it before i came on i was i was rushing but i, I, I finally got it done.